welcome to the Apostolic Scribbler. I am your host, Yolanda Osborne Khan, and we are so excited that you have joined us. Last week, we discussed God is a verb. We explained how the very word God in Hebrew is a verb and that it is continuous and that given a closer look, if we were to focus on God as a verb, we would respond differently in our relationship with him. With that being said, guess what? You are not here by chance, but are here by divine appointment. Let's lean in and hear what God reveals to us on today's topic, what's in a name? Well, in God's case, it is everything. So again, as we mentioned last week, we discussed God is a verb. And what we want to do on today's topic while we're talking about what's in a name, we want to talk about how the importance of who God is is based on his identification. It's based on that there are special meanings attached to his names. And through scripture, God reveals himself to us through his names. And so... We're going to talk about some of the names and we're going to give you a scripture reference. So if you have a pen and paper, um, I'm going to give you just a few names and then I'm going to give you the scripture that is attached to the name. And when you have time, you can study the meanings behind some of God's names. And then while you're praying, you can allow God to reveal to you um, just a personal thing and the nature of who he is. So if you study them and and really understand how he is um, described, right, then this will give you um, an experience of being able not only to just name drop, but having the experience of knowing that when you say the name, that you have personal experience. So, for instance, when I say Jehovah Jireh, I can say Jehovah Jireh, I have personal experience because the God has provided for me. When I say Elohim, strong one or creator, I know that in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So the whole point is being able to use the name and being able to have personal experience with the name so that you have identity with who you're talking about, that the meaning is attached to his name. And so this is why what's in a name is very, very important. It, it, it describes and it gives us so much support because all of God's names, not only are they verbs, but they they just kind of leap off the page because they describe the very nature of who he is. Now, one of the ones that I really, really love is um, Chief Shepherd. That's First Peter 5 and 4. And what I love about it is, number one, chief, meaning leader. Then number two, shepherd, as in buckler, as in refuge, as in protector. So you have the number one head honcho, the, the, 
the biggest, the baddest of them all. And then you have like this fortress. So I'm the type of person like when I am reading, I break down the words as I read. And it gives me much comfort, especially when I read the characteristics and the nature of who God is. Because his names, before we even start getting into the scripture, they reveal so much. And so Chief Shepherd already, you have the number one head honcho protecting you, guarding you. He's your buckler. He's your refuge. So by the time I've read the verse and the chapter, I already have a synonymous, you know, a a big chunk of what I need based on the description and the nature of who he is. And by the time I read the scripture and verse, the chapter and verse, it's given me so much more of filling in and coloring in those, those lines and just who God is the bigger, you know what I'm saying? Like you can kind of spread out and get a cinematic view of who he is, not just such a narrow focus. So, first one was Chief Shepherd, and the scripture was 1 Peter 5 and 4. Okay, the next one is Cornerstone. When you think of a cornerstone, right, you're thinking of the thing, the foundation, the thing that holds everything else together. Like, nothing else works without that cornerstone being in place. It is the foundational piece of the structure for everything to stand. The building to stand, the house to stand, whatever you're building, you have to have a cornerstone. It is the thing that keeps and holds everything together. So cornerstone, the scripture for that was Ephesians 2 and 20. Okay, so these again are just... The names of God, right? Because last week, that's what we're building off of. Last week, we talked about God is a verb. But this week, we're talking about what's in a name. In God's case, everything. And so what I'm doing is I'm going over some of the names that we, you know, we don't really hear about them much. And a lot of times we don't use them because we don't know. And so I'm just giving a few of the names and giving the scripture reference and trying to go through them to let you see that these names really describe, they really accentuate who God is and they reveal to us his nature and they just, they're so big. And so when you see uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, everlasting father, so everlasting, it never ends, it's indefinite. It goes on and on and on and on. And then when you hear the word father, you think of dad. You think of uh, grandfather. You think of just um, daddy. You think of Abba, right? So when you break down these words, even before you get to the scripture reference, it's, to me it's just so, so powerful. And I'm breaking this down because I feel like a lot of people when they're reading the Bible and they hear the names of God, they struggle because they are just kind of tossing words around and they really don't know what it means. And so a lot of times we have difficulty when we pray and we start at adoration. We don't realize that we can say, 
during adoration and you're adoring God, a lot of times I just stay there and I can be at adoration for hours and hours and hours. I don't even really need to go to the next thing because there's so many names of God that I can just tell him that I thank him for. I can thank him for being almighty. I can thank him for being the alpha and omega. I can thank him for being the bread of life. And so when I get caught up with just adoring God, just on his names, his namesake, I don't really have to go into asking him for stuff. And so this is the whole point of why I think it's important for us to know what's in his name and what's in his name is revelation. What's in his name is that he reveals to us his identity and who he is. And if we really knew that in our prayers, what we talked about, um, while we pray the model prayer, one of the acronyms that I gave was ACTS, and that is adoration, confection, thanksgiving, and supplication. But if we practice this principle of knowing God's names, when we got to the very beginning, our Father who art in heaven, that adoration, if we really knew the names of God, we would find so much peace and so much pleasure just adoring Him and thanking Him and being able to praise Him if we had a better understanding of knowing His names. And so that's why we're breaking down these names. So another name that um, I just find, you know, Jehovah Psalms 83:18 Jehovah meaning Lord you know he all those the the very beginning of the Hebrew when we use Jehovah we say Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Sikanu Jehovah M Kadesh Jehovah Rapha so Jehovah when you see Lord in the Old Testament um, when we see it capital L capital O capital R capital D that is, in effect, saying Jehovah or Yahweh. And so when you see that, again, that's when you see um, the Tentramagon that has the Y, the H, the V, and the H. And then those consonants you put in, in between, you can put in Y, and then you put an A, and then between the H, you can put another A, and then between the B, you can put an E, and then there's capital H. So that is the Hebrew uh, version of saying Yahweh. In English, we see it in the Bible in all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And so that is uh, Jehovah. And so when we say it, right, that is what the Israelites describe Jesus as being um in the Old Testament, and that's where we see again, Lord. Another one that is just, uh, just I, I don't know, when we say Almighty, uh, Revelations 1 and 8, uh, Almighty, like He is the one, so He is the strong one, He is the one, He is most mighty, He is above all. Right when it comes to having the might of all, and so when we say it, it's very rare that um, you hear someone using Almighty in reference to a person. 
Normally when you hear the term almighty, we know that that goes to Jehovah. We know that it goes to God almighty because it means omnipotent, all powerful, um, great, that he's sovereign, that he is above all, in all, and through us all. So it's a different type of form of having all power. And so I think that that is one of the things that I really want people to understand is that some of these terms, uh, most of the terms that are being used that are attributes to God and describe his character, they're descriptive words, but they're also verbs and they also say exactly who he is. I mean, it's, it's just amazing that we can even, um, I don't know, just not be able to have success in our prayer lives because we don't understand what you know these names mean and so the whole point of this is the reason why we're breaking it down is because we need to have a better grip on his identity so that it's not forced and that when we pray that we can appreciate God and all of his his greatness and and all of his reverence and just um, being able to love on him in the way that he deserves. When we say that he is the Alpha and Omega, he is the finisher, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So if he is the Alpha, he's the beginning, and he was the Omega, he is the end. That's Revelations 1 and 8. But when we say that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, he is the author because he wrote the book on us. He is the author, he is the one in the beginning, God. He is the one that made us who we are, Genesis 1 and 27, because we are made in the image of Christ. We are made in the image of God. And so this is when we pray and we start developing our prayers. We can say, Lord, I adore you. You are king of kings, First Timothy six fifteen. Lord, you are my life. You are the light of the world, John 8 and 12. Lord of lords right? You are my Messiah. You are the mighty God. You are my physician, right? You are the good shepherd. And so this comes with the mastery of being able to develop relationship and being able to understand that the importance of, yes, God is a verb, but what's in a name? In God's case, it is everything. Thank you for listening. You can visit me on all social media forums at The Apostolic Scribbler or visit me online at theapostolicscribbler.com. Again, join us on Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we examine and investigate the mysteries of the Bible. Tune in next time and together we may be surprised by what we find out. Hello all and welcome to the Apostolic Scribbler. I am your host, Yolanda Osborne Khan, and we are so excited that you have joined us. Last week, we discussed what's in a name. In God's case, it's everything. 
We talked about throughout scripture how God reveals himself through his names and that knowing his names builds our relationship and strengthens our connection when we're communicating with him. Guess what? You are not here by chance, but you are here by divine appointment. Once again, I'm your host, Yolanda Osborne Khan, and this is the Apostolic Scribbler. Listen in as we hear what God reveals to us today on the topic, Lord, help me. Have you ever found yourself in a situation or a circumstance where you just didn't know what to do? You know, maybe you had a big decision to make. Maybe you were faced with a major crisis like divorce or raising your grandchildren even. Maybe you had a child that was in a coma. Maybe you did something like really stupid. Or you have a teenager that is now telling you that they are a part of the LGBTQI community. Not only do you know how you got into this mess, but you're not sure how you're going to get out of it. Thus the phrase, Lord, help me. Well, you know, we all have special circumstances, extenuating circumstances even. And sometimes during these circumstances, we allow ourselves to constantly question the promises of God. Will God be able to do what he says? Will he perform what he said he's going to do? Will God fulfill the promises that he even told us way back in 1935 or 1957 or 1988, even as early as 2010 or yesterday? Is he able to keep his promises to me that he said in his word that he was going to perform what he promised me and that his promises are yea and amen? When we look at our situations and we allow them to dictate whether we'll listen to God or not, we're going down the wrong path. Will we listen to God in the midst of our condition, our current situation, our circumstances even, in spite of? Will we listen to divine instruction even when it doesn't make sense? This is where we tend to fall off. We as Christians, we want things to make sense. Lord, make it make sense. And that's the frustration sometimes in our Lord. Help. God knows. He's, he knows us and his words tells us in Psalms 18 and 6. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came before him into his very ears. And Psalms 46, 1 through 3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in the time of trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And one of my very favorites, Isaiah 41 and 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the Lord is our strength and he's my song. He has given me victory. That is my God and I will praise him. My father's God. I will exalt him. That's Exodus, I believe, 15, somewhere between uh, verses 1 and 2. But I'm, I'm saying these scriptures because these scriptures are my connection when I cry out to God for my help. 
when I'm asking him in my distress and based on my circumstance and, and the condition that I'm in, I need divine instruction. I need divine wisdom. And with me asking him for help, sometimes in my cry for help, there is a sense of confusion and loss, even anger sometimes, anxiety or worry. And so I use the word a lot of times when I have tried to come to my senses and realize that, you know, am I asking for help? I need to put my heart in the posture of being able to receive God's answer when I call. So I feel that sometimes when I use scripture, such as you are in my hiding place, you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. That's Psalms 32. Um, when I start asking God, it helps me to calm myself and to reckon with my emotions because when God is in the midst, I know that he's working all things for my good and it will not always make sense to my problem, especially the problems that are barking the loudest, the things that you know, crave our attention to make and to rush a quick decision. And so, you know, when we are crying, are we dwelling in pity and angry anger? And are we making our circumstances so much bigger than God that we can't hear? Are we allowing our emotions to dominate and to rule over our hearts and minds? So when God is trying to help escort us from this situation and this this dire condition can we even hear first of all the problem isn't an issue of whether god is even speaking to us god is in fact still speaking god speaks to us through the testimony of the scriptures which i gave a clear example of why i use the scriptures and then through the witness of the holy spirit and he speaks to us through everything through our children men, women, servants of God whom he brings into our lives and some of which instruct, guide, and even counsel us. So, yes, God speaks to us through the testimony of the church and through people who counsel us and work with us, including our pastors, because those are living epistles in the body of Christ. But God even speaks to us in strange places and at peculiar times. God still speaks. The question isn't whether he is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And so again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you have heard? This is Galatians 3 and 5. This is a true nugget of are we paying attention and believing what God is saying by his word or are we focused on the works of the law? Are we focused on what the world is telling us? Hey, it needs to be this, this, and this, and this. Or you have anxiety, you need to take these pills. You have bipolar, you need to take all these drugs forever and ever. That's it. There's no hope of you getting better. You have a heart condition, you have diverticulitis, you have a feet condition. You know, no matter what the condition and no matter what the circumstance is, are we believing God's report? Are we believing on the word based on what we have read? Are we taking scripture and applying it? 
to our cry for help. Lord, help me. When we are in this dire situation in our lives, it is important that once we ask God for help and we've laid out what we are crying out and what we need him for, we need to listen. And to listen is to obey. It's so much easier for us to trust God when we are on top and getting praises from our friends. And, you know, when the rain is falling and the storm is raging, we just go nuts. We feel like it's undeserving. It's easier to trust God when everything in life is moving in the right direction and when your adult child is getting into the, the best school and when we're getting that promotion and when, you know, our grandkids are, are doing well and, and doing so much better. But will we trust God when the bottom drops out, when the sky is falling? Remember Lucy Goosey? The sky is falling, the sky is falling. You know, will we trust him when grief engulfs us like a hurricane eye and spinning us into confusion and disbelief and just making us feel like life is no more? Why even bother? Will we trust God then? Proverbs 3 and 5 through 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and to lead not to our own understanding. And in all our ways that we are to, what, acknowledge him and he shall direct our paths. Delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart and commit our ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Another scripture, Psalms 33, 20 through 22, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. And then this is another one of my favorites, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So this is just telling us that if we state our condition and we tell the Lord that we need help, we cry out to him in desperation, we, we seek his face and we know that we can't do it on our own. What the ideal situation is, is to know that he hears us and he's giving us instruction. But we've got to be able to listen. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. That's Isaiah 12 and 2. Listen, God is here, okay? And if we are crying out and if we are asking him for help, God still speaks and he will help us. But we have got to posture ourselves into a place that we can calm ourselves and know that God is for us, that whatever is against us, that God is bigger, that we can't make our situation bigger than the cross, God died for us all. He died and he resurrected with the keys in his hands. That the power of who he is, that the cross is bigger than our situation. Thus, when we call out and we ask him for help, we know that we can receive the answer that is best for us. Listen closely, my friend. God does extraordinary things in the lives of ordinary people who are simply willing to trust him and what we have. He does extraordinary things with people like myself who have little or nothing. 
Maybe you're at the end of your rope and all you feel you have is nothing but scraps of hope and trust. Just barely hanging on. But what if I told you that was enough? If you listened and heard God when you asked, Lord, help me. Expect the extraordinary. Believe him at his word and listen to his instructions and watch him work. He is more than able and he will do as he promised. Exodus 14 and 14 tells us the Lord himself will fight for you. Just be silent. Stay calm. Just be still. You need only to be still, my friend. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Thank you for listening. You can visit me on all social media forums at the Apostolic Scribbler or visit me online at theapostolicscribbler.com. Join us every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we examine and investigate the mysteries of the Bible. Tune in next time and together we may be surprised by what we find out.